Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. G'day everyone, welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. My name is Dave, coming to you live as of yesterday from the Think Orange Bunker in downtown Atlanta. Hey, today we are going to be talking about a word that often gets confused in ministry world, I think. It's the word ambition. Ambition is one of those things we either talk about in a positive way or in a negative way, depending on the context in which we use it. Now, to talk a little bit about this, I want to bring in my good friend and producer of the Think Orange podcast, who's pressing his little face up against the portal window right now. It's Kevin Jennings Sr. Kevin, have you got a microphone on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, Kevin, uh, with all the enthusiasm you can muster, I just want to see what do you think about the word ambition? What is your take on ambition? Hmm. Ambition without hard work is just an idea. (laughs) Ambition without hard work is just an idea. Just an idea. Well, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Think Orange podcast. Dude, that was fantastic. That's an amazing thing. Ambition without hard work is just an idea. That is so good. That is such a positive way of looking at ambition. Exactly. You're right. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you are producing today's episode because you have nailed it right there. But we're still going to hear from a few other people if that's okay with you, Kevin. Sounds good. So we're going to be hearing from Jeannie Stevens, who is one of the lead pastors of Soul City Church in Chicago's dynamic West Loop neighborhood. She and her husband, Jarrett, started this church in 2010. Jeannie is the author of the book, Soul School, and she is also a contributor to the Bible study and DVD series, 12 Women of the Bible. Then we're going to be hearing from Ryan Leake, an author, filmmaker, speaker, and pastor who serves at Covenant Church in Texas. Now, Ryan is part of the teaching team there at Covenant Church, but he's also really well known for a documentary he did called Chasing Failure. Some of you may already have seen Chasing Failure on YouTube. It's a film that documents how Ryan overcame his fear of failure by trying out for an NBA team. It is absolutely incredible to watch. Kevin Jennings Sr., have you actually seen this movie? No, I haven't. You should totally do it right now. Right now. Well, maybe after we've done the podcast. Can you watch it then? Okay, yes. Okay, that is what I want you to do straight after this episode. Make sure you go and watch it, okay? Got you. Okay, before we hear from Jeannie and Ryan, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Orange Conference, which is a three-day conference in Atlanta, Georgia, for your entire family ministry team. And this year, we're going to be talking about making it personal. We believe the best way to reach the next generation is by making it personal personal. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus made things personal. He called Zacchaeus by name. He addressed the Samaritan woman's past. He spent time in Mary and Martha's house. He invited each disciple individually to follow him. He intercepted Saul on the road to Damascus. I mean, Jesus made a difference because Jesus made it personal. And that's what we're going to be talking about at Orange Conference 2019, how you and your ministry can make it personal in the lives of the next generation. You can register and find out more at theorangeconference.com. That's theorangeconference.com. Kevin Jennings Sr., are you going to be at Orange Conference this year? I hope so. I'm planning on it. 
That is fantastic. Make sure you come up and say good day to him. When you see him, he is the wisest looking man that you have ever seen. So he will stand out like a sore thumb. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Well, we're going to go straight into today's content. So check this out. Now, my hunch is as this whole room, and there's about 150 or so of us in here, I would probably bet that no one said this. I got into leading so that I could become overwhelmed. I got into leading so that I would be exhausted all the time. I got into leading so that I could feel both resentful and entitled often inside of myself. I got into leading so that I was always tired. I got into leading so that I could create a life where I always felt behind. I don't think any of you said that. But how many of you, if you were honest, you have felt those things as a leader? Me too. Me too. Four years into starting Soul City and leading Soul City, um, I got to a point where I realized that doing the work of God was killing the work of God in me. I started realizing that doing all of this work for God, doing all of this incredible envisioning work for God was slowly but surely killing the work of God inside of me. My soul was dry. It felt parched. Um, I felt like I was a desert. I felt like any time I had to teach about the goodness of God, I was like digging deeper and deeper and deeper to try to remember what it was. It just wasn't flowing like a fountain. And I had to call a time out for myself. And I'll never forget um, feeling like such a failure, like feeling like, gosh, I should, I should be able to pull it together. I should be able to just have like a extra good quiet time. Like maybe I just need to listen to some extra long hill song, you know, and, and I'll be able to pull it through or something like that. And every time I kept doing that, every time I kept going back to all of these, you know, practices, they weren't working. And I remember going to our elders and just saying, I feel shame. I don't think I'm supposed to feel shame, but I feel shame. And I'm tired. And I want to keep leading this church, and I want to keep moving us forward, and I want to keep following Jesus, but I don't think I can hear right now. I don't think I can see right now, and I need to take a break. And I went away um, for the longest amount of time that I had been away, young kids at this time, and I went away for 21 days. And my kids came and my husband came. Like, I didn't just leave them. But um, we fully unplugged from Soul City for the first time since it had, you know, been out of its startup days. And it was in the midst of that unplugging that I realized that I had created some really unhealthy practices around doing the work of God. And God began to message me so lovingly and so clearly around a new way of doing work with him instead of work for him. 
And one of the passages that he led me to was a passage in Deuteronomy 30. I want to share it with you today. Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14. And I'm just going to read it to you through the message version because I love uh, how Eugene Peterson captures this. He says, This commandment that I'm commanding you today, it isn't too much for you. Meaning, the thing that God is asking of us to live within limits, to live a life of rest, I just want to let you know at the, at the forefront, it's not too hard for you. This isn't something that's going to be unattainable for you. It's not out of your reach, he goes on to say. It's not on some high mountain, and you don't have to go get some mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it to you before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send out a sailor to go and get it for you and bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now. It's as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest. You just need to do it. I think Eugene took that from Nike, but nonetheless. (laughs) And I remember thinking that there's got to be like some secret, right? There's got to be like some special thing that you unlock to figure out how to actually live a healthy rhythm so that doing the work of God doesn't kill the work of God in us. And God led me to this passage as if to say, Jeannie, it is not something that is far out there. It's not some mountain that you have to go and scale. It's not some ocean you have to cross. All you have to do is practice the rhythm of limits. You see, you and I, we've been given limits because we're not God. You have limits because you're not good, and that should be very good. You're not God, and that should be very good news to you today, that you are not God. Your limits, your limits are actually behind you, they're in front of you, and they're within you. And we need to see limits as a gift. I think we think that if we live a limitless life, a life of going, 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 that it will lead to more. But the truth is actually this. A limitless life leads to a restless life, doesn't it? When we think that we can just keep going, 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 we don't have any limits. We can just keep burning all of the oil up. What it actually leads to is a restless life, but a limited life where we actually embrace the gift of limits. It leads to a rested life, doesn't it? And you can feel the difference because trying to live limitless it leads to restlessness, doesn't it? That feeling, have you ever had that feeling where you're just so exhausted, so tired, all you wanna do is go to sleep, but your mind is still running? You're laying in bed thinking, I have to fall asleep, I have to fall asleep, I have to fall asleep. You're literally like you're doing math, you're counting down the hours of when you have to get up, and you're like, if I don't fall asleep now, I'm gonna get past the six hour, then the five hour, then the four, right? And, and when we live limitless, it actually leads to restlessness. But when we embrace our limits, we experience the gift of rest, which is ultimately the gift of rhythm. See, I wanna tell you something. I do not believe that any of us are called to live a balanced life. I think balance is a lie. 
I do not believe that that is a healthy encouragement. You just need to find your balance because every one of us is walking through a different season in this space and balances will always look different. What God has called us to is a life of rhythm and that rhythm always includes rest. It's not balance, it's rhythm that God has called us to. Just this um, last week, I'm sure all, or two weeks ago, you all got through, you know, the craziness of Easter, right? And the week before Easter, I was feeling sick and I was starting to feel run down. But I mean, in my mind, this is like Super Bowl day, right? It's Easter. Like, I can't go down for the count. We have the most amount of services we're ever going to have. Like, the most amount of people probably that are ever going to attend the church. How can I be one of the leaders of this organization and be down for the count when everyone is working way beyond their normal hours? And yet, my body was just saying, you're done. No more. And I chose to ignore it. I showed up at Easter anyways. I pushed through, I hosted some services, and we already had had planned to go away the following Monday, the day after Easter. And we got out to where we were headed. We were um, going to stay in some friend's home in Colorado. And we got to the house and we walked upstairs and I said, babe, I'm going to just lay down for a minute. I'm just not feeling so great. I think I'm still like getting over this sickness. And I woke up 12 hours later. (laughs) Somewhere in there, my children got put to bed. He went to go get groceries. Like Life happened, but I was not a part of life happening. And it was my body saying, no more. You are exhausted. And part of that was I was not moving up to Easter within healthy rhythms. So how do we get to these points? Like, how do we actually get to these places? What I want to do is I want to walk through some warning signs of limitless living, okay? And instead of you just, I know, and you know what, you're adults, so you can do whatever you want to do, but my preference would be that you not just take notes on this, but that you actually feel into, are any of these warning signs occurring in your life right now? And what I mean by that is as I go through them, and if this is you, just kind of give like an emotional and a mental, ah, I think that's me. I think that's me. These are some of the limitless living warning signs. Comparison. Comparison. In fact, it could be happening right here at this conference. It could be happening every time you open up Facebook. It could be happening every time you open up Instagram. Anytime somebody asks you about your ministry and you feel this sense inside of you, I I want it to look good. I want it to feel good. I want to project something good. Comparison is a great indicator that there's some limitless living going on in your life. Tired, sickness, it's one that I just talked about in my own life. I was feeling it. I was experiencing tiredness. I was experiencing sickness. Think through your sleep even right now. Think through your physical body. How often have you gotten sick recently? That is often a way for your body to say, this is not rhythmically helpful. I once heard somebody say, 
that the mind lies to us all the time. Your brain can tell you all kinds of lies. Your brain can say, keep going, you don't need sleep, keep pushing. Your body never lies to you. The body doesn't know how to lie to you. The body is just the body. But your brain has limitless possibilities of things that it can tell you to do. But your body doesn't know how to lie. And so oftentimes our bodies are telling us that we are living limitless lives and it's gonna run out. Excessive control. Um, would anyone in your world call you a potential control freak? There's a lot of people in my world that would call me that. And oftentimes when I am doubling down on control, it's a sign that I have some limitless living going on. Compulsiveness. Do you go over things regularly? Do you find yourself making sure that something is done? Checking in back on something that you had already crossed off the list. Um, Compulsiveness is often a sign that you're not rhythmically at peace. Emotional numbing. Um, And oftentimes, the people that are closest to us, if they love us enough, they're the better ones to tell us if emotional numbing is taking place. Um, For those of you that have kids, my kids are great at telling me when I am checked out um, and they don't want me to be checked out. Um, And oftentimes, my kids will be like, Mom, are you even here? Did you listen to me? Did you hear what I had to say? It is oftentimes a way for them to say, you're kind of like emotionally numbed out here. And that's, that's a warning sign, escaping. You may have even been doing it while you're here at this conference. And I get it. You, you may have come from a massive like energy dump that you have just given to Easter and to all that has been going on at your church. And you came here and you're just kind of like, I'm a zombie, you know, and you find yourself in a bit of escaping. Excessive working is often a sign. Um, If there is just a non-stopness to you, um, that is a warning sign. Feeling overwhelmed. Um, This is one that I usually can pay attention to. I appreciate this warning sign. I know that whenever I start to feel overwhelmed, it means that there has been so much that I have piled up that I'm I'm beginning to feel limitless. Worry is a great warning sign and withdrawing. I love this passage in Matthew. It says that Jesus looked at them and it's referring to his disciples. And he said this, with man, this is possible, but with God, all things are possible. Now I might age myself a ton right now, but how many of you remember that Darlene Check song, All Things Are Possible? Yes, a few. Yeah, she, she's who put Hillsong on the map, for those of you that have no idea who she is. Um, so I think it was a good 15 years ago that song came out, maybe even more than that. And I loved it when it came out. And it was one of my treadmill jams. Um, and what I mean by that is when I wasn't feeling it on the treadmill and I was working out and I like needed some oomph, I needed something other than like Katy Perry firework and it needed to have like some God in it, I would go to all things are possible, right? And, um, and so I used to love that song, like all things are possible, you know, and I would just like go for it on the treadmill, right? Well, what's interesting is when I was thinking about that song, I was thinking all things are possible for me. But look at this verse. It says that Jesus looked at them and said, with man, 
This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, all things are not possible for you. All things are not possible for you, but all things are possible for God. And I think we get that theology flipped sometimes. And I understand why. Because Jesus said to us, listen, you're going to do greater things than I, than he who is in the world, right? He told us, you're going to do greater things than I. So we start thinking, I'm going to walk on water. I don't have any limitations. I can stay up all night. I can just keep going, going, going. But we are human. We're human. We are not divinity. And all things are not possible for us. All things are possible for God. And I think it's really important that we begin to understand this so that we actually live healthy spiritual lives. And here's what I know is possible with God. God can restore you to living within your limits. Hello, everybody. This is the Think Orange podcast, and we are here at Orange Conference 2018. My name is Holly Crawshaw. I am here with the wonderful and great and beautiful. Thank you, Sarah Bragg. Yes, of course. And we are here interviewing Ryan Leak, the Hello, one everybody. and the only. Yeah, so Ryan. I have your bio in front of me, and I know right? you talked about this last year at conference, and people okay. ask you about this all the time, all right. but I didn't know about this. Okay. Um, I think I heard about it, but didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ryan, a few years back, proposed to his wife in an incredibly unique way. So Ryan, just like briefly, how did you propose? Her name is Amanda, and she's yeah. beautiful and gorgeous. I did stalk you on social media right. prior yeah, to this. For sure. You gotta do that. <laughs> so um, tell us about that. Uh, so about seven years ago now, Uh, My wife told a friend that she thought it would be cool to get engaged and married on the same day. Now, do you think in in hindsight, did she, was that like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, it'd be cool to have a puppy. (laughs) I mean, she's, she's, she's the dreamer. Yeah. That's what I say. What is she on the Enneagram? She is a four on the Enneagram. She really? She's a four. She's creative for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. So she, uh, and she had said it twice. I overheard it. So, so I just started going, you know, what would this, what would this look like? And does that mean that I would have to plan the wedding? And mm-hmm. and before you knew it, the snowball was just mm-hmm. rolling down the hill. And uh, two years later, uh, I had planned our entire wedding. I love and that so, you took two years. It takes <laughs> two years when a guy's doing it. Right. So, for sure. So. <laughs> the forethought on that. Like to yeah. be able to go, all right. Like, Do you feel yeah. like she had any inclination? She had no clue. Nothing. She it hit, no It clue. totally took her off guard. Well, the number one reason was I didn't tell anybody or invite any of her friends until three months before. Got it. So it was. That's good because girls cannot keep a secret long term. That's right. And Mm -hmm. so I I threatened all their lives. That's true. That was wise. um, And so, yeah, so June 7th, I got down on one knee in 2013 and said, will you marry me? She said, yes. I said, just kidding. Will you marry me today? And then we rolled in everything that you would need to get engaged and married on the same day. That's so crazy. I'm kind of so. wishing she was here and we could like know. just scratch what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And talk about that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Y'all should just thinking, invite Amanda? her next time. Right. So did I you did. pick out her dress and everything? Uh, I actually uh, tricked her into picking out a dress. I had her get in a fashion show. Um, mm-hmm. One of my friends owned a bridal 
um, business. And, Ryan, the and layers so, of deception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like the funny thing is, is I, I called my friend. I said, is there any way that you could put Amanda in a fashion show and figure this out? She goes, yeah, we actually have a fashion show this Saturday. So the stars align. In, in fact, I actually never had to lie to her throughout the entire process. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And so now the seven Lord's years anointing. later. <laughs> the Lord's anointing. Yeah, yeah. So here here we are, five years in the marriage and a And you have a three and a half year old named Jackson? Named Jackson Carter League, that's right. And you and you think he's gonna be like is it is he the next Golden State Warrior? Like you know, or full disclosure, uh-huh. we just took him to the doctor and, and I said, Doc, I know you can't predict the whole future, but just give me what you how tall you think he'll right. be. Mm-hmm. They told me five nine. What? So for I, those of I'm, you who don't know who's yeah. sitting at this table, you are yeah, very I tall. I know, and I'm not disappointed in him. You know, I just realized that he's going to have to be a soccer player now, or or or, or a baseball could, player. Or he could beat all the odds. And you know, and what? be an amazing Steph point guard. Steph he Curry. Could. Steph Curry is not a giant, Ryan. He's my height. He is. He's yeah, my husband's he's height too. Yeah. My oh, husband and I are huge is, Golden State fans. Right? Huge. Right? Well, we Come love on. the Hawks. We're hometown. Like we Come were both on. born and raised in Atlanta. All right. All right. But we love Golden State. Yeah, we, I, uh, do. I do. as we well. We try to catch a game or two a yeah, year. They're my team. Oh, that's your team. That's my team. Oh my goodness! Look, See, Ryan. Yes, look at this. Again, the stars have aligned. Not only for marriage. So wait, how do you feel about the playoffs right now? Um. So this is 2018. We're talking about the NBA playoffs. We're we're at the end of April, so we're we're coming around the corner here. It's a lot of prayer and fasting on my end. Absolutely. Um, We all have a role to play. We all have a role to play. Sacrifices to the Lord. Curry needs to get healthy. It's not good for my emotional stability. I don't even watch the games. I can't. I was there when he to bill him counseling. (laughs) When he initially hurt that ankle, I was at that game. Mm-hmm. And I felt it so in my it own ankle. Fault. No, I yeah, I want to say fault. that I was the reason he didn't completely ruin it because yeah. I was there just right. the, the the support you were giving him from the yeah. stands. Yeah. All right. So well, so <laughs> since, I mean, clearly we we so could talk about a lot of things. Holly now, and I. now that <laughs> everyone has fast forwarded through the first five minutes of this podcast, right. I know. Um, so Ryan, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what you've done uh, in the past, and and what you hope to do in the near future. Yeah. So uh, right now. I, um, I'm an author, speaker, and filmmaker, and uh, my latest book is called Unoffendable, No Offense, Non-Taken. Um, <laughs> I believe that we live in a world that is highly offendable. You have to be so politically correct, and you can't really say anything without getting uh, in trouble with somebody. Yep. And so um, I just thought, man, what would life look like if we were unoffendable, um, especially as followers of Christ that have subscribed to this theology that a God let go of all of our mistakes. And so uh, what what would our lives look like if we lived with that same mentality where we just kind of let people off the hook because we have been let off the hook? Um, so uh, I'm an author and I also um, am on a few teaching teams at churches around the country. And so um, what I love about what I get to do now is I don't I don't go around with a talk. Um, people invite me to speak, and I always ask them, "What do you want me to talk about?" And and that's a that's a really fun thing for me to be able to do to constantly create new content. Um, not that I would never repeat sharp. a message, you know. It, you you got to remove ego from what you do, I believe. But I do enjoy creating a win for other organizations and churches and yeah. corporations um, as to how I can actually help them 
um, and not really think about how, how does it help me. So, That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about that book. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So with a title like that, mm-hmm. is there a story? Like, what's, what? why did you feel like you wanted to write this book? Is there a story mm-hmm. that kind of catapulted you that way? You know, uh, there, there have been uh, several moments in my life where I found myself being offended and letting it go pretty quickly. Um, especially growing up in a predominantly white environment. So I, I was in a private school my entire life. So I was always one of eight to 10 black people really at all times. Um, but I grew up in, in what would be considered a hood. So I learned how to play basketball in the hood and I was educated in the suburbs. But over the years, um, I started to hear people say um, this phrase, well, you're not really black. Wow. You're 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 black, but you're you're the you're the whitest black guy I know. From or from from black people, from white people, right. from mostly white people that were like, you're you're really one of us. You you just you just oh, have a, that's a brown like a brown skin tone. Yeah, it's funny thing is somebody just said that to me 20 minutes ago. Why no. would anybody say that? Well, it's because it's it's not racism to me. It's ignorance. Yes. They don't know. They don't know why that would be offensive. It's yes. like why you tell a That's pregnant say, woman she looks like, like she's having twins. Are you sure you're not having twins? Like, well, and I feel like coming from the two it. different races, one is like what you just said, the, the white person, they're not trying to be no. offensive. But do you think that from coming, is that more offensive even coming from your black friends where you're going? Um, I think our culture has defined black as 20 inch rims in hip hop music. Yeah, yeah, that's what Kevin Jennings was saying. We had that conversation with him recently. And and so I think if you're not fitting that mold and you don't wear Beats by Dre and and rap in the hallway, that somehow you're not. I wear wear Beats by Dre at the gym. See? I love them. See? Love them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that at a very early age, I had to decide, okay, Ryan, who are you? Right. And are you going to allow what people say about you to become who you are? Or are you going to find your identity in the right place? And so early on, I just let people off the hook. I have never snapped at a person that has said that, ever. You're a better person than I am, right? Yeah, I mean, I just, I've, just, I've just gone, man, if I, can, if I can get past this, man, what influence might I gain? If I just let people off the hook. Mm. Now, there's there are moments where people need to realize, hey, here's a wake-up call. But the beautiful thing is, is I am given an opportunity to shed light on that in a way that is loving and not, not hateful. And so um, also growing up, my dad had me when he was 50 years old. So I always had an old father. Um, I remember um, a lot in middle school just playing basketball. Um, people would ask me if my grandpa was coming to the game. Wow. And I just remember being like, you don't know what this man has given to me mm-hmm. and why that is offensive. But early on, I learned to let go. How did and you, so, early on, like, how did you learn? Was that like an intuitive kind of thing that you felt like you were just like, you know, gosh, I, this is what it does to me. This is not healthy. Or was, did someone coach you through that? How did you figure out that early on? Because you come across as so chill and mm-hmm. laid back. And yet before we started recording, we realized um, if you are familiar with the Enneagram, all three of us yes. on this recording were all threes, <laughs> right. which is an achiever and a yeah, performer and right. wants to be right. valued and seen. So and this noticed. isn't Ryan, like this isn't his 
natural posture. This is something that you have learned to do. So yeah. how, did, how did that happen? You know, I think I watched a lot of people that were still holding on to their past. Wow. And I just, I've learned more about what I don't want to be than who I actually want to be. I've watched so many That's leaders good. that I've gone, well, I don't want that reputation. And I don't want people to say that about me. So much so that I've even found myself running from certain things to become who I actually want to be. So I've heard negative reputations and I've heard very positive reputations. Right. And, I've, and I have uh, had a front row seat by the grace of God to seeing some really great leaders. And I've also seen some really bad ones. And when I look at uh, individuals that have just held on to so much pain from when they're 12 and now they're 50, I'm just going, why? Yeah. Right. Like, why would you want to live that way? So I think early on, I, I just said, man, I, in light of where I know I want to go, I don't want to end up like that. So, you know, this is such a timely message in the current political climate, cultural mm -hmm. climate, super timely. Um, do you feel like there's a, there's an, a point where people should become offended? And, and if so, should they voice that? And how should they voice that? Um, I think every person has the right to, to get offended. I think as a Christ follower, you should never stay offended. I think that's, that's the good. difference. Right. There, there, people are going to say stuff that hurts you, and to say that you are impervious or invincible to their arrows is just not true. Um, but I think when you stay there, when you rehearse the lines, when you play the recording over and over in your head, and you're almost feeding this monster that's living on the inside of your soul, I think that's just very, very unhealthy, and it paralyzes all of the energy you could be using towards your dreams and your purpose. So um, I, I think there, there are moments where, yeah, you, you should be offended, but I, I just don't think you should stay there very long. I think get, get offended, be mad, but why would you want to stay that way while that is, I believe, a major distraction from what God has actually called you to do? How do you hit stop on that recording? Because we all mm -hmm. have been there. I mean, I get that. Like, Where I'm you lay like, in this, bed. This applies to my marriage. This right. applies to my relationship right. with yeah. my children. Well, and, and you lay in bed and you, you play that over and over. Like, oh, yeah. I wish I would have said this. And oh, that yeah, would have sure. that would have like, been right. good. Like, how oh, yeah. do you hit stop? Like, yeah. how do you? Okay, that was offensive. And that was, mm -hmm. and I am offended. But we got to move on. We got to let it go. So how do you hit stop on that recording? You know, I think it's a... It's all about, um, I have this, um, something that one of my friends taught me actually at my dad's funeral is what he calls funeral rules. Um, and his funeral rules are these. Number one, uh, who do you want to sit on the first two rows at your funeral? Who do you want? Your, your family, your, your friends, your best friends. Okay, that's who should get the most of your attention, time, and energy. Mm -hmm. Whoever those people are, that's who should get the best you. Wow. Number two, those people are going to get up and talk about you. What do you want them to say? In light of what you want them to say, you need to change something now. Hmm. And so for me, how do I hit stop on that recording? Colossians 3 says, uh, make allowances for each other's faults. So in other words, you should carry a little bit of grace space in your pocket at all times. A little change in your pocket. A little, like yeah. you leave room, like... You need to expect that somebody's going to say something stupid today, but you cannot, 
You cannot wake up knowing it's coming. It just I assume right. somebody's going to be an idiot. That's a great possibility. I just do. Absolutely. I Which just I think assume. most of us, and I'm putting myself in this category, mm-hmm. we wake up thinking people are going to like say something. They're going to be perfect. Or they're, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. oh yeah, they're going to never well, say I'm something trying to be perfect. Right. So you should so try you to are be too. perfect. And I'm trying yeah. to say all the right things. But in, rather than going, I'm this nice is to you. A reality so you should of, be nice to of me. who we are as humans. Yeah, I think this concept of you have to forgive people before they hurt you, and you wow. have to make a decision as to who you want to be before the pain comes. So somebody can say anything that they want about me today. I've already made a decision about who I want to be and what I want the people that I love the most to say about me when it's all over. So just because you decide to say something to me that's offensive, why should I change who I am and who I want to be because of your ignorance or because of your foolishness? I need Secondly, to make some phone calls. <laughs> I need to make yeah. some phone if, calls if and, and grant some forgiveness. Holly and I are taking notes. <laughs> like we're writing down these yeah, I need to yeah. call some family members. Well, I mean, the second thing that, that I also realize is the pain that I can dwell on, the recording I can keep hitting play on, I have been on somebody else's recording. Mm. I have hurt someone. I have offended someone. And so, and I would want them to let it go. So if it's my wife, if it's my pastor, if it's a friend, I, I have to make allowance. I have to create margin for their errors as much as God has created margin for mine. So I, I just live with and try and extend the same grace that I've been given. Not that I'm just like, oh, I'm a duck and, and offenses just go right off my back. I just go, you know what, I'm offended right now, but I'm not going to be here tomorrow because I got way too much to do tomorrow. <laughs> I, I've, I've got so much purpose. I've got such a mission. And... Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm speaking uh, main stage in Orange, and then I get on a plane, and then I go speak um, at a large church in Dallas. And so I get to choose what I want to do with that day. I can choose to play recordings of people that have said negative things about me, or I can focus on helping people. Hmm. So that's just what I've just decided. Okay. In light of who I want to be, right. I don't have time to stay offended. So I think one of the hardest things about when I feel offended mm-hmm. and this is funny I, you know, I feel like everybody now is going to have to go figure out the Enneagram number like sorry people it. that we're you just can't. like talking we're I've diving in so many personality <laughs> tests this one is so <laughs> accurate far. it's so, so accurate so like the thing about an Enneagram 3 who we are is that we are in this like emotional they call it an emotional triad of numbers yeah I don't really feel a lot of emotions I like mm. push them off I'm like I don't get, I ain't got time sure. to feel that yet when it comes to being offended, I feel like really? I I take it so personal. Like yeah. even even as a parent, but I it have, feels like a personal failure. It's true. It, it's it's both and. But like my daughter can like say stuff to me. She's nine and a half, mm. and I am just like, girl, we're gonna fight. Like I'm like get so offended, <laughs> and I'm like so personal, and I take it, and it hurts. And so how can we? Whether you're a parent, mm. whether you're you know a coworker says something, a friend, a spouse, like a stranger, like how can we not take it personally? Like move past that, like that emotion. How can we kind yeah. of harness the emotion? In Just that? a practical, like what is what is the practical way you deal with that? Does it does yeah. it not hurt, or does it hurt? And then you step aside, and you put the bigger picture in perspective. I think is what you said. I, th- I think it's always the bigger picture. You know, I I realize that I am sitting in this seat on this podcast right now because some people look past my flaws. 
and gave me a chance anyway. Is Ryan Leake like the nicest person you've ever met? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think, where would any of us be if somebody didn't say, okay, they've got some, they've got some things I need to work on, but I'm going to use them anyways. God and people that have given me a chance. So I, I mean, I, I go through the same thing with my son. It's, you know, he can climb out of his crib now and he yeah. does it often. And, you know, I think it's almost suicidal in light of how tall his crib is. But <laughs> You're like, do um, you, this is the age where you're just convinced that they want to try to die. Yeah, exactly. I'm right. like, you, you know, they want to touch everything that yep. is the most dangerous. Fire is so pretty. Let's touch it. Knives. Yeah. Yeah. That he thinks are plastic. They're not. Right. They will cut the, your hand off. Those are yeah. knives. Yeah. Jackson. Yes, Jackson, if you're listening to this, <laughs> right. put the knives down. If this is future this Jackson. This is totally the audience, right? <laughs> yeah. Stop playing with knives. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that there are there are so many where you, you just get so caught in the moment that you're like, I'm so mad right now. Right. Yeah. But I, I think being able to pause to kind of have a little bit of a Selah moment and just consistently remind yourself, man, I, I wouldn't be a dad if my dad didn't look past my flaws. Yeah. You know, I, there's, there's, I can think of countless people that were very aware of my mistakes and flaws and, and said, well, let, let's give them a shot anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I think about, um, I think the first time I spoke at Orange, I think Reggie gave me six minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, man, that's six minutes that he's taking a chance on me. He doesn't really know me. Now, I could be offended and go, well, shouldn't I get 30 minutes? What's the deal? Am I not as good as it? But that's a, that's a silly thought. <laughs> it's just, it's, your, your brain's going down a path that's really toxic for you, your relationships, how you view the world, how you view people. But you look at that six minutes and just go, Lord. Use me in six minutes. Mm-hmm. Help me impact somebody in six minutes. So yeah, I, it makes me think of um, I call her my beloved, Brene Brown. Oh, Brene Brown is my pastor, counselor, yes. and best friend. Brene, and if you're listening to this, Listen. my cell phone number yes. is six one two. Listen, I host a show called Surviving Sarah, and I'm like that. Is, like Brene, mm-hmm. if you're listening, Brene, please, Brene, please come be on the SOS, show. SOS, Brene. But I think SOS. you know she talks a lot about, and I believe it was Rising Strong mm-hmm. about believing the best in yeah. someone. The story that you're like the narrative that you're writing for that person, oh, yeah. like you're believing the best. So even like that example you talk about, I could be offended that I was given six minutes or I could believe the best about whether it's true or not. Like we, we don't know, like Reggie may have been yeah. like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, you know, he, she wasn't, yeah. but it's like, we could believe the best or we could choose to believe the worst narrative. Yeah. And Reggie ain't thinking about me as much as I think he is. Totally. Nobody like, thinks about us nearly as much as we, nobody. which for Enneagram threes, yeah, we need to like, tell that to us all. I'm thinking time. about yeah. what everybody's thinking about me and they're all just sitting there thinking about themselves exactly. or what's next, what they have to yeah. do, their right. kids, whatever. Yeah. No, th- those are all personal insecurities of moments where you weren't chosen moments Mm -hmm. where you weren't picked moments where you were overlooked and undervalued and underappreciated. And and I think, you know, you, you've got to deal with your own self in in that, in that manner and just go, you know what, they're, they're, People aren't thinking about you nearly as much (laughs) as you think they are. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Let me ask you this, Ryan. So just, I'll be vulnerable because I know this person will never listen to this, but I have a family member who it seems like every everything offends her. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, mm-hmm. Good gestures, yeah. no gesture, 
potentially bad gestures, and she's very close uh, in my family circle, highly offendable. Um, do you have, do, can you speak to that? How, mm-hmm. how as a believer or even as a family member or a human being who just wants to get along, um, how would you approach a person who is always offended? I, I like to, to, to have real conversations. I, I like to talk about how things are, not how we would like them to be. Mm-hmm. The reality is your family member has experienced a level of darkness that she has not been able to articulate, or he, I, I assumed she, it was a she. Um, it's my sister. It's your Spoiler. sister. Spoiler. Hey, Again, sister. Yeah, she, she has experienced something that is so dark, mm. so painful, and now she has created a world in her mind where she can't really trust anybody. Mm. And so That's true. I think part of getting to the root of why people are so offended is really getting to the root of their pain. Who are you mad at? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had similar conversations with family members where I've just gone, hey, here's the deal. Uh, you're angry. And I don't know who you're angry at, but you need to figure out who that is. Are you mad that your dad didn't choose you? Are you mad at God that he hasn't positioned you better yet? Or are you mad at yourself that you haven't done more by now? But you're not going to take your anger out on me. But I will, as Brene Brown says mm-hmm. in her definition of compassion is knowing your darkness well enough to sit in the dark with others so Mm -hmm. i will sit with you in the dark but i refuse to let you be mad at me when i did nothing to you can we just all take a moment of silence on that one? I was like, can, That's I good. hope that we that can play good. that back afterwards so I can write. I think you got to go deep with her. Yeah. I mean, because as long as you stay surfacey, it's like, why are we jabbing each other? So you're not why benefiting anyone. Because right. you're not really talking. Well, and then as a three, again, back to the Enneagram, you just yeah. want to fix it. Oh, yeah. I can fix this. I can make her happy. I can make her unoffended. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, it, it's something that. And here's the deal for you. The reality is, right now, the funny thing is, you're not talking about anything, and you're offending her. Why not actually offend her? Oh. And talk about it. <laughs> I'm scared of that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, why? why if, yeah. if you're going, because you're going to offend her no matter what. Right. Well, she's already mad yeah, at her. Right? Yeah, so you might as well talk about the real stuff, the real pain. And then if she's offended after that, at least you said, well, at least I addressed it. Right. But to not address <laughs> right. it and still be losing, yeah. it's like, well... Get a win somewhere. Yeah. Right. So That's you, such if, a good if point. you're going to fall on the sword, I mean, you, she's already got her knife out. So yes. you might as well, yeah. you know, say, hey, I, I love you. And it, what happened? Free counseling on the was good. podcast for me today, yeah. for sure. Okay. So I'm thinking about ministry leaders mm-hmm. that are listening. And I think, and this again, I feel like this is, minute whether you're a ministry leader or you're just a human being Mm -hmm. we we get offended and we can even take offense at like criticism whether it's like constructive or not like any criticism and again i mean the listeners are gonna be so tired of us even as so as a three any (laughs) criticism is just like heartbreaking Mm -hmm. and so how can we distinguish between something that's offensive and something that is just helpful criticism yeah I think that the the best way to disarm offense and get great constructive criticism is to invite it. I think honesty is best received by invitation only, where you are asking somebody, hey, how can I get better? If it's uninvited, it's always going to sound like criticism. So uh, everywhere that I speak, I always ask the pastor after the first service, 
hey, what what should I change? How could it get better? It's, again, it's like almost like starting your day knowing that you're going to be offended. It's that same kind of thing. I'm yeah. going to be proactive. Of Just head it off. Yeah. I know it's yeah. going to happen. Right. Like, hey, I, 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 I said this today. You know, what do you – was that too much that I – I can pull back. I, you know, I'm here to serve you. So in your series, your vision, and I'm consistently asking my best friends, Hey, what do you see that I don't? Cause we all have a blind spot. So uh, I asked my best friend uh, about a year ago, I said, there is a world for threes (laughs) that is seen in public. And then there's like the actual you and people have a higher perception of who you are from a distance and the people that are closest to you and so i said from your seat in the ryan league world yeah how could i be a better husband this is what he said he said ryan i would be impressed if over the next 18 months you didn't speak at a larger church you didn't write another book you didn't make another documentary i would be impressed if you took the next 18 months to help figure out a way for your wife to win. Because when Ryan puts his mind to something, it wins. So put your mind to your wife. When was this? This was uh, last July. Yeah, so yeah. so this year, I'm, I'm not writing any books or doing any documentaries. I love that. All because of and, a challenge. Right. Well, and you know he, what? That speaks yeah. to your wife. Oh, and like she's my, like, yeah. your best friend can come on. Yes. You know? <laughs> like, he's the hey, best. Right? We got a right. guest room. Exactly. Send him a Because <laughs> well, my husband has done that before where he has said, like, you know, we've spent the majority of our marriage yeah. of you helping me win. He's like, I feel like what you're doing is like on the brink of this thing. And if I could just put what I know right. behind you. And then what it says for me is like, oh my goodness, yes! Right. Like, so I can't sure. imagine what she feels. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's been you know eighteen months of this journey for us has been you know how how can we how can we help you win? I I asked my friend the same question last night as I was filling out a questionnaire for a new counselor. I think everybody should be in counseling. Yes. If especially you're breathing, threes, you should. Especially body threes. Said, yes. My counselor's on speed dial. I think I've heard Josh Ship say, if you're breathing, you yeah. should I see a counselor. I talked to mine yesterday on the phone. I was like, Susan, I need a sesh. I need a sesh, <laughs> I need a sesh so I had to fill out, um, he had, in the questionnaire, that's a great question. What concerns do the people around you see? And he's trying to gauge your own self-awareness. Wow. And have there been red flags that other people see that you're going, okay, this is why I need to be here. Hmm. And so I, as I was filling it out, I called my best friend. I said, hey, here's what I've written thus far. Anything you'd like to add? Right. And he goes, <laughs> Anything I'm not being aware yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, he, lo- he looked at his wife. He goes, hey, I, I got to step out for a second. I said, oh, great. This is going to be Can I just hit record? Yeah, like, yeah. It's going to be too long to write. Literally, I'm typing as fast as I can. Right. As yeah. And he goes, I know this is going to be harsh. I'm going, it, it's not. I need this. Yeah. I need this. And he said, he said a line that I've never heard that perfectly described me. He said, Ryan Leak is allergic to weakness and allergic to feeling like he needs other people. You avoid needing people wow, and good. weakness wow. at all costs. And that, he goes, I know that might sound expensive. Can we hold yeah. hands for a minute? Okay. It's, 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 a ty- it's a type three deal for sure. <laughs> And he goes, I, and he kept a pot and I go, dude, stop. I asked for this. Yeah. Right. Now let's say he called me out of the blue and said, dude, sit down, dude, why are you just so allergic to, to 
just need us for crying out loud. Right. Like, could you just like be weak and be okay nope. with that? And Don't you're just you. like, well, dude, what? <laughs> it's, again, anyone else could have said that, and I probably would have been offended. But the fact that I've asked, and the fact that I've asked my wife. Well, you've postured yourself. You have to. In a better, to receive it better. Absolutely. And there's a few things at play. You have people in your life that you trust, which is key to what you're saying. And that has to be built. Yes. Totally. That has to be built that we we both are asking each other those questions. Hey man, what, what do you see? What are you, what are you feeling? What, did, right. what, how, how did, how did this come across? How, so you, you have to build that over time where it's going, let me take the knife out of your hand mm. and just, and one of my favorite verses is wounds from a friend can be trusted. Mm. So your friends have to be telling you things that should think, but again, the more you do it in my experience, the less it actually is hurt because you're going, hey, I've asked for this. I need this. Right. I'm, I'm writing it down. Mm-hmm. I'm not silent on the other end going, okay, I can't. All right, who do you think you are? Oh, so we're talking about my flaw? Mm-hmm. Well, how about we talk mm-hmm. about yours for a right. second? Right. Yeah. You just can't get in that defensive yes. posture. You, you have yeah. to go, hey, you're, you're helping me be a better husband, which I would not be the husband I am without him. You're helping me be a better communicator. You're helping me be a better friend. You're helping me become a better person. It's iron sharpening iron. So you can't be passive when you're looking for friendships or looking no, in which you, you relationships to invest in. Yeah. yeah I, I just, uh, my latest devotion on the Bible app is called Squad Goals, and it's, it's godly objectives for friendships. And I, I talk a little bit about this and just, there's so many people that just want to fall into friendships. But I, I think you just have to be intentional if you want to have good friends. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're going to have a great squad on accident. Right, correct. I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think there has to be great intentionality on your part to um, t- to make that happen. And sometimes it's trial and error. You yes. reach out, you try this, it doesn't work. It oh, doesn't mean sure. you stop trying Absolutely. with someone else. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. So, Ryan, where can we find you? Uh, find your book, find Other your than stuff. this bunker at um, Orange Conference. Yeah. This not party bus, but still a party. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Uh, ryanleak.com is, is where you Ryan can Leak, it. so that's R-Y-A-N-L-E-A-K. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. And then we've talked a lot about the Enneagram. I wanted to spell that because I'd never heard of it. Uh-huh. And I'm not doing great are on, you, I was about on say, spelling today. You want today. me to spell that for I you? I wrote this down. Okay. So we, we've recorded a bunch of podcasts in a row, and, and this is Holly, and I'm a former English teacher, so it's just uh, very humbling. I've misspelled basically everything up until this point. So I wrote it down like a real professional. So the Enneagram is... E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. You can Google that. There's the Enneagram Institute. The test is like 12 bucks. And there's a free one. There's a free one at exploreyourtype.com. Oh, I'm sorry, Ryan, repeat that. Exploreyourtype.com. Exploreyourtype. Exploreyourtype.com. So yeah, you guys can check that out. Check out Ryan for sure. Check out his new book, Ryan. Tell us again the title. It's called Unoffendable, No Offense, None Taken. Unoffendable, Thanks for hanging out with us. No problem. Thanks, Ryan. So nice to meet you. Wow, so much outstanding information from today's episode. I love that idea that Jeannie was talking about that we have to set limits on our life, especially when it comes to our own ambition. I'd never really thought of that before because I'm sure like a lot of you, I've got big godly ambitions for the ministries that I work in, but sometimes that can cause us to just 
burn out and we have to put boundaries around our ministry in order to maintain that godly ambition. And I mean, Ryan just brought it home, that idea of every person has the right to get offended, but as a Christ follower, you shouldn't stay offended. Gosh, I wonder how much time I've wasted by staying offended at somebody because of something that they said that I couldn't get over. I'm sure I'm not the only one who can look back in the rearview mirror and see that you're offended for a little bit too long. And I hope that Ryan's words today were an encouragement and an inspiration to you. Please don't let someone else's words stifle your godly ambition. One of the things that has helped me get over things when I'm offended is this saying, don't attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. I think sometimes in ministry, we think people are being malicious when really they might just have miscommunicated something. They might have run out of battery on their cell phone so they couldn't get back to us. Their email might be down. There's a whole bunch of reasons that people say things that they do. And I think we need to stop assuming that it's malicious. Don't attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. Well, I really hope this episode was helpful for you. If it was, make sure you give us a rating over there on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out a lot. We'd also love it if you could subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. What happens if you subscribe is you just get notified whenever we post a new episode. Also, we'd love it if you could share this podcast with a friend and check out the show notes at thinkorangepodcast.com. That's thinkorangepodcast.com. Well, thanks so much for listening. This is Dave Adamson signing off from the Think Orange Bunker in downtown Atlanta, coming to you live as of yesterday. And make sure whenever you think next generation, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.